Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Index on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. We have one heck of a show planned for you this evening. Joining me once again on the program is my co-commentating colleague, returning to the Pro Wrestling Index, Mo Chatra. Good evening, my friend. How are you doing, man? How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well indeed. Um, we're going to have a fun discussion tonight. And we also have returning back to the Pro Wrestling Index once again, Dave Hendrick, the always opinionated Dave Hendrick, from the Anfield Index, Dave, Survivor Series, does it have you jazzed? Um, about as jazzed as Jerry the King Lawler would be in a room full of men, <laughs> with not a naked woman in sight. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, guys, um, quite the 48 hours in the world of sports entertainment. A lot of sports, but how entertaining was it? Let's start with the Survivor Series. Uh, this was the 25th anniversary of The Undertaker, and in addition to that, this was also the semifinals and finals of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Overall thoughts, guys. Let's talk about that. What were your overall thoughts on this? We'll start with you, Mo. Uh, what did you think of the show overall? If you had to give it a letter grade, what was your letter grade for Survivor Series? I would probably have to go with a, a C+. Plus. Um I went into the show expecting it to be a really good one, one of the year's better shows. I thought that the two semi-finals for the WWE World Heavyweight Title Tournament would deliver. They featured four excellent workers, so I had no doubts that they'd be great matches, and I thought that the winners of those two will meet in a sure-to-be-fantastic final. So I thought three great matches on the show, almost guaranteed. Um, a couple of the other matches on the show looked pretty good on paper, so all things considered, it should be, you know, a good B plus, maybe even an A minus. Um, what we got in return was uh, something that was a lot less than that. And I was quite disappointed. And there was a lot of fans online that were even more disappointed than me. I don't think it's necessarily a case of the writers um, or several dozen of them getting anything drastically wrong. I think on this occasion, it's actually more the people that, book the matches, the producers, as they're now called, the agents, um, as well as the workers. I thought that the match layouts um, were not particularly great and certain matches that shouldn't have gone too long went longer than they should have. Other matches that could have gone longer didn't go long enough. 
And so the end result was a quite disjointed card and I was feeling quite underwhelmed by the whole thing. And I didn't seem to be in the minority on that. I think a lot of people agreed that it really was one of these shows that should have been a lot better. And um, by the end of the show, um, we had a surprise twist with Seamus cashing in um, with the money in the bank, which I predicted um, prior to the show in some tweets uh, prior to the event. But yeah, the, the overall feeling was just despondency almost because they really needed to hit it out of the park. This was a time with likes of Randy Orton, John Cena and others um, out of the picture for a short while for guys to step up, um, but they didn't really do that. And it was partly, I think, the fault of talent for not really working at their best to assemble the best matches. Also, the agents that work with them to uh, put these matches together. And so, as I say, um, it was just quite a disjointed car that didn't really flow. So that sounds like an F. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Maybe I'm just being generous, but um, yeah, it it wasn't a bad show. I mean, you know, we had still some pretty good wrestling in the semifinals, and uh, there were moments here and there which were not too bad. But um, yeah, it was one of those events that really should have delivered more than it did. Dave, what did you think about this extravaganza, the Gobbledygooker Survivor Series? I thought it was one of the worst. Of the big four, so Rumble, SummerSlam, Mania, and, and Survivor Series. Now, they normally nail these four. There's the odd time you get a bad SummerSlam, but Mania is normally on point. The Rumble tends to be on point, and Survivor Series tends to be on point. I thought this was the one of the worst of the big four pay-per-views I've ever seen, and I've seen them all. Um, I would give it a D because of the matches that Mo mentioned the first two, the Reigns-Del Rio match mm-hmm. and Owens against Ambrose. And I would give the entire rest of the card an F-. And that's only because I can't grade it any lower. Um, <laughs> I, just th- I just thought it was shocking. I thought it was so predictable. I thought the outcomes of the matches, we could have literally sat down and predicted every match beforehand. Um I thought the standard of work was really poor outside of those first two matches. The Reigns-Ambrose match had some decent work, but I thought that was largely down to Ambrose. Um, I thought, I genuinely just thought it was absolutely awful. And the ending was just one of those things where you kind of look at it and go, do you know what, why did you even bother? Why even bother with this big tournament? Now, I do have a bit of a conspiracy theory and if if you'll both indulge me. I'm ready. I, I've i heard that the Seamus thing was decided about an hour beforehand or a couple of hours beforehand. Now, I think it may have been, a decision may have been made a couple of hours beforehand, but I genuinely think that they made the decision for Triple H and Seamus to go out there literally 30 seconds after the final bell rang when Reigns got a terrible reaction and once again they tried to mute the crowd and pump in cheers and then made the mistake of showing the crowd and not a single person looked to be cheering. Yeah. You <laughs> and know, I think they saw that and thought, you know what, we can't have this raw tomorrow will be an absolute nightmare. We'll run with we'll run with Seamus and they sent Seamus out. And I or they sent Triple H out and then they sent Seamus out. 
I genuinely think that was decided on the fly because just the way it timed, there was too big of a gap between when the bell rang and when Triple H's music hit and how long they were going on and then how, how you know, when Seamus appeared in the ring. You know, it's it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I, Twitter was absolutely on fire uh, on Sunday night. People tweeting at me regarding this as well. And um, it has been reported, and we don't know whether this is true or not, that the decision was made a few hours prior to the show on show day that um, they were going to go ahead and do this. But the reasoning behind it uh, is very similar to what you described, Dave, and that is that the the company was nervous about the Roman Reigns reaction. All this could be solved very simply by doing what I said they should have done months ago, and that's turn him heel. Yeah. Because because at the end of the day, I truly believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, that uh, I don't think the fans are rejecting Roman Reigns because he's not charismatic enough, because they don't like him, because he's not a good worker, or because they don't think he's, quote, ready. Uh, I think the reason why they're rejecting him is because they fear that he's the second coming of Cena. I mean, what do you yeah. think about that, Mo? Yeah, I think um, there's element of truth to that. I think that he's one of these people that uh, suffer the backlash because he wasn't Daniel Bryan in the Royal Rumble this year. Prior to that, I didn't really recall him getting much of a backlash from fans. And as we know, the Rumble tends to have a predominantly hardcore WWE um, fan that attends that show. And so when Daniel Bryan wasn't winning the Royal Rumble and it was somebody else, that someone else who won, um, got a vociferous um, adverse reaction. And um, it's just carried on since then. I think it... A lot of shows and a lot of venues, it's not too bad. But when they go to certain towns and cities where they have a larger um, WWE hardcore fan base, London, for example, um, Reigns does tend to get um, that kind of um, adverse reaction there. And again, Survivor Series tends to attract a fair number of these types of fans from around the USA and even from abroad. And, um, yeah, again, he wasn't exactly uh, getting monumentally cheered. So, I mean, that does perhaps give legs to um, your theory, uh, Dave. And um, I I found it a bit strange that it carried on for so long. And, um, you know, he won the title and then he's just standing there and standing there and standing there and nothing's happening. And it just seemed quite odd. Normally those types of angles, um, you know, within seconds of – or half a minute of that match finishing, somebody that then comes out and then moving into the next angle. Um, so that was peculiar. So I can, you know, I can well believe it. I don't know if it's true, but um, it's certainly a plausible theory. It'd be interesting to see if that is the case, though, because they're they're literally telling Roman Reigns on the fly in the ring after winning the WWE Championship. Oh, hey, go ahead and lay down for the second brogue kick. We're we're mm. making a change. I do wonder though, like. Matt, when it's reported that the decision was made, maybe this was a decision that was collectively made. Look, if it doesn't go bad, we're going to send Seamus out. Or sorry, if if the reaction, sorry, if it doesn't go bad, if the reaction is bad, we're going to send Seamus out. We're going to wait and see how the reaction is if when you win. So, because spoiler alert, that like people listening they know what happens beforehand yeah. um so i just wonder if maybe it's a case that they got together and said look if 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 this goes badly if you get the same reaction as you got when you won the rumble 
we're going to send Seamus out and we're going to go in a different direction. And there was just something in Reigns' face as well. Like, he, you know when you see these guys and they win the belt, especially for the first time, especially these younger guys, when they get the belt for the first time, there's a reaction in it. Because, you know, even though it is sports entertainment, it, this it's still the accomplishment of a real goal. You're still at the top of the industry. Oh, yeah. A lot of these guys have worked their whole life for this. Yeah. And and you'll always see a reaction, like an automatic smile. Didn't happen with Reigns. Reigns seemed conflicted when they handed him the belt. And he just sat there. He was just looking at it. But he was sort of looking at it as if to say, like, I have to give this away now because this lot are booing me. Yeah. And, And they can suck the noise out of the TV broadcast and pump in whatever they want. It's not going to end well. Though. And, and you know, and honestly, I mean, this is I, – I feel – in a way, I feel bad for Roman Reigns um, because he's stuck in this in this really difficult position. Uh, I think he knows what the fans want. I even think he knows what he wants. Um, he wants to be successful, but he doesn't want to do it despite the reaction because the last thing that he wants to be is the next Cena, someone who's being universally rejected by the fan base, especially the core audience – and then while that's happening, we're being told on the broadcast he's such a, quote, polarizing figure. You know, he's 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 the most polarizing figure, the most controversial figure in WWE history. There's no controversy about it. We don't want to see him as a face, and we don't want to see him on television. And that's the thing, like, Matt, normally when these guys are polarizing or controversial, it's because they're written that way. The creative is aiming in that direction. With Reigns, they couldn't be pushing him any further down our throats. Right. He's polarizing because the fans are rejecting the idea that, okay, guys, this is the new person that you're going to cheer for. And, like, the difference between him and Cena is that Cena can afford to not be liked because he's still liked it among the children. He's still making his millions and millions off merchandise. It doesn't matter to John Cena when he if he when he walks out if people boo him, you know from a from a financial point of view. From Reigns' point of view, he doesn't have that like that pull that Cena has. He doesn't have the fifteen years in the business, so he needs to have the fans on side for his character to grow, for his career to progress. Cena's already at the end game. Cena could retire tomorrow, and we'd all sit down and say, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, incredible career, one of the greats. Reigns doesn't have that. So for him, he needs the, the support behind him. And personally, I think what he I think he would love a heel run because I think when you look back at the Shield stuff, I think that was the real Reigns. I think if they turn around and turned Reigns and the Usos and put them together as a group and just let them rampage to everybody, I think Reigns, I think the, the, the fan base would love it. And I think Reigns would be in his element. Yeah, and this is a classic case of the fans, the audience, not getting what they want once again. On one hand, we're being told to participate. We're being told that the WWE Universe has a voice and World Wrestling Entertainment wants to hear it. But on the other hand, they continue to confiscate signs. They continue to muffle crowd noise and pump in their own. I mean, what is the solution to this, Mo? I mean, what 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 do they do here? Because, I mean, Sheamus is obviously not the solution. Absolutely not, no. I mean – much as I'm loath to criticise him because he's a fellow Red, big Liverpool fan, um, but no, he's he's just not um, a top tier guy. He's not a bona fide and genuine main eventer, and it's clear from the reaction both at the Survivor Series and um, on last night's Raw that he isn't perceived by fans as being a top guy. 
I feel almost sorry for the WWE bookers, and it's very rare I say this, um, in terms of how they book talent because they're in a rock between a rock and a hard place here. Because on the one hand, you know they're, they're not deaf; they can hear, they can see what the reaction of fans is towards different guys and girls on the roster. But then on the other hand, they've got the McMahons, they've got Vince, they've got Stephanie, they've got Triple H, who almost want to battle um, the fan base and almost ignore the fans and say, well, look, we don't care how much you cheer for a certain um, performer. We don't care how much you boo a certain performer. If we think that, that this person should be a face, they'll be a face, damn it. And if they are going to be a heel, then that's what that's what will be. We know what's best because we've always known what's best. And the fan is more sophisticated than ever now. Um, it's not like 20 years ago or 30 years ago where fans were much more easy to manipulate. Um, it's, you know, even, even the casual fans are almost like a smart fan of 20, 25 years ago. That's how much it has changed. Um, you know, people know about how the business works. So to try and book the product in a way that completely ignores fan reactions is just shooting yourself in the foot. It completely doesn't make sense anymore. And they have to go with the flow. And if they make a plan 12 months in advance, okay, that talent over there, by this time next year at WrestleMania, we want that person to be winning the title as a babyface. But the fans don't accept that then you've got to accept it as well. And if you don't, then you just constantly piss off your fan base. And at a certain point in time, that goodwill will um, mean bad things for your business and your revenue and your bottom line. And, you know, they take it, they are taking their fan base for granted. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing. Is this, is this a result? Is this born out of ignorance by the folks at the top that are doing this? Or is this a deliberate uh, attempt on the part of WWE to basically say to hell with what you want. You're going to take what we're giving you, and if you don't like it, too bad. We have a business relationship with NBC Universal. We're not going anywhere. We we we've captured the market share here. We are the NFL of pro wrestling. Um, we there's there's no one that's coming for us. There's no one that can compete with us. So we're going to do what we do, and you're going to like it. It's a completely mind-boggling situation actually because in the past and, and you'll remember this guys um when fans at shows reacted in a way that the company wasn't expecting then they'd bust out that line oh we're in bizarro world right yeah so often when they go into toronto where there's a very strong hardcore audience or in new york and fans wouldn't react in a certain way um a good example is when Shawn michaels fought Sid Justice, sorry, I think it was called Sid Vicious or Sid Justice Survivor Series 1996, 19 years ago. And Sean went into it as the baby face and Sid went to it as the um, as the heel. And the fans in Madison Square Garden gave Sid a complete baby face reaction mm. and just booed Sean out of the building. And on commentary, Vince was clearly absolutely furious about this because he wasn't expecting it and he just didn't like it. How dare the fans um, express themselves? They have to act in a way that <laughs> we want them to. 
And this has continued ever since then. And, that was uh, always one of the highlights of Vince on commentary, when <laughs> there would be a reaction from the crowd that wasn't in line with what he had decided was going to happen. And he would get really angry. He'd go really quiet for a while. And then he'd start making snide comments about the crowd and stuff. And then he'd try to win it back. And it was just hilarious. But, like, the thing for me, like, I, I always find that when there's a, a, a turn, for it to really capture the fans, it needs to happen organically. So if you look at Reigns, he came in as a heel as part of the Shield. And then they had be the Shield as a unit had become that anti-hero group. And I think... For the, they needed to split separately and for Reigns to be, go back to being a heel and then to, you know, to do an about face maybe six months down the line and become a face in a certain situation. <clears throat> the way they did it was um, obviously Rollins attacked Ambrose and Reigns and all of a sudden, well, now here's your top heel and here's your top baby face and we've done it all in one go. And it just didn't work. Like it was a great little storyline for a while, and then it, but it didn't work in terms of the long-term view. There needed to be a longer plan, and there just didn't seem to be one. Mm. But like, I, I just I don't know what reigns. Like I, I I wonder. Like I I don't know, Matt. Maybe you know, Mo. Maybe you know. Like who's actually in charge of creative? I know Stephanie's meant to be, but is does Vince have final say on this? Because. If I, well, Vince has wrong. Vince has final say on everything. I mean, aren't, it, aren't, aren't Triple H and Stephanie kind of? <laughs> they have final say on NXT. That's their little baby, for the most part. Yeah, um, and, and, and and if you look at how that's written and how that's presented, that is much more to what the audience wants. Well, I I would agree with that, but but at the same time, let's take a look at the decision to bring Sheamus in and put the WWE title on him. Now, I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers when I say this, um, but Sheamus is a mid carder. I mean, yeah. let, let's let's be perfectly honest here. He was in a five-on-five matchup at the Survivor Series, flanked by King Barrett, who's king of the pre-show. Um, yeah. This guy, th- this guy was absolutely invisible in the match. He looks ridiculous, having fourteen different beards hanging off his face and all that costume jewelry he's wearing and that yeah. stupid mohawk that he has. He's an absolute caricature of a heel. He's not yeah. even a real heel. He's this jolly heel who comes to the ring and, and acts like a made, smartass, and, and nobody and likes it. Made him look like a clown as he was going into the yes. ring with, with Barrett and the and the, the let's, three idiots. Let's like. be fair here, guys. This guy's WWE champion, and he comes out to the crowd chanting you look stupid yeah and this is the man that can we just take a moment though to appreciate the fact that the wwe champion and the nxt champion are both irish i think (laughs) that is something we should all recognize it they should just give becky lynch one of the belts either the (laughs) nxt women's title or the divas title just give it to her and then let it be done and let it be announced that the Irish are, in fact, the superior breed. You know, isn't it sad? <laughs> it's, isn't it sad that you talk about the NXT champion? Here's Finn Balor, a guy that was a star in Japan for 10 years, one of the most gifted professional wrestlers and professional athletes, for that matter, in the world. And he is continuously relegated to the NXT brand, cannot mm. break through to the main roster and a caricature of a heel in Sheamus is WWE champion. Yeah. And to my point, I think a big reason for that is because he and Hunter like to work out together. Yeah, and that's always been the case. And, <laughs> and that's been 
like that's been said for many years, Matt. Since he first went into the WWE, he basically became the bagman for Hunter. He would go to the gym, carry his stuff, work out with him, you know, and, and that's how they became friends. And he kind of propelled himself up the card a little bit. The one thing I will say about Balor is that for now, I kind of want him to stay in NXT because I'm a little bit worried that. Like, if he comes on to the main roster, there's two paths they can give him. They can give him the Kevin Owens path, where he immediately lands himself in the, not quite the main event, but like the upper mid card, kind of on on the the bubble, shall we say. Mm -hmm. Or they give him the Neville path, where they bury him as a curtain jerker. Yeah, I I think they are more likely to go the Neville route because I I think, like Neville, I don't think Balor's the best on the mic. I think Owens comes across because of the character and the fight Owens fighting because he was in Ring of Honor for so long and he has that fan base in America. I think he's more likely to go the Neville route. And I'd be really worried because then you've got arguably Balor and Neville for me are two of the five most talented guys on the entire, you know, WWE roster top to bottom. And if they're your curtain jerkers, like, it's the same with Cesaro. There's another guy. He, he they brought him in and they've buried him in the. How much you know, time you got? <laughs> I mean, seriously. And, and now, and now, of course, um, he will be out of action for a considerable amount of time because of uh, of injuries as well, which is another issue that we'll we'll get into in the podcast. But yeah, it's 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 absolutely remarkable what what we saw. And and I. I you know, I thought about whether or not we should run down this entire card for the Survivor Series. Instead of doing that, gentlemen, why don't we talk about the main points of this show? I mean, we had the we had the semifinals of of the tournament. Um, we had this tournament itself. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but let's talk about the Undertaker's return for a minute here. Um, the Undertaker and Kane, the Brothers of Destruction, reuniting uh, for what could be one night only to face um, what was Bray Wyatt and uh, Luke Harper, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. In this matchup, they kept Braun Strowman on the outside, I guess, to, to once again protect him, which I'm okay with. I, I, I understand that, actually. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was that request from Taker, because <laughs> I think I think Strowman works a little bit too kind of snug. And I think, you know, there's that the, the brilliant program that they ran on the network about uh, where it was like Hunter, Sean and, and Austin talking to JBL. And Sean told that, do I owe you money story? And of those three big behemoths that come to the ring with Wyatt, Luke Harper is by far the best in-ring worker. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wonder if maybe they thought, you know what, he's going to be, he'll work a better match with Taker and Kane, especially Taker, who seems to have, like, this is the thing. We're, what, a month removed from Hell in the Cell, which is had two incredible matches. I thought it was the, I thought it was the best show of the year. Best show of the year by by a distance. Two yeah. match of the year candidates. One yeah. one match in Taker Lesnar that is probably is top ten in Taker's career at this point. But I just wonder how much it actually took out of him because he looks a lot slower now, even slower than he did then. Um, this match for me was was fun. It was wasn't great. I thought the ending looked hurried, almost like they were short on time for whatever reason. Um. I, this match kind of disappointed me. Yeah, it was like one of these um, legends matches where guys who've been retired and are on the WWE Legends contracts um, come back for a special appearance, uh, maybe a couple of years. Like so Jimmy Snook and Roddy Piper used to do these types of matches. 
And uh, Heath <laughs> or Heath Slater, rather. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, come out and uh, do their trademark spots, pop the crowd. But the fans actually weren't massively into the match, even. Um, you know, it was, it was quite surprising. I mean, they uh, popped uh, to an extent for the entrance, and uh, it was a bit of a kind of a nostalgia segment. And uh, yeah, Undertaker's done 25 years. And that's an incredible achievement and accomplishment. Um, but the match really wasn't up to much. Um, and as you say, you know, Luke Harper is, is, is a very good worker. And uh, Bray Wyatt's not too bad either. But, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't really much of a match. And uh, it was just a segment and uh, probably went on a bit longer than I would have liked, which was a shame because I quite was looking forward to seeing... Ziggler and Tyler Breeze go a little bit longer, um, especially yeah. Tyler Breeze having his first pay-per-view match. And yet they only got six minutes, if that. And uh, that was quite disappointing, even though Breeze went over. Um, so it was really poorly laid out in that respect too. Um, you know, the wrong match um, going too long and um, a match that should have gone longer not getting long enough. Yeah, well, speaking of a match that went too long, let's talk about the Divas title very quickly. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't make me do this. Well, listen, I was raging over this because Monday night I saw something that really actually got me excited. Some people poo-pooed this. Some people were not happy with the fact that they uh, they did the whole angle invoking Reed Flair and Mm. uh, and the issues with with the – with with the family. I liked it because I like my wrestling tasteless. I liked it because this is the type of things that we saw in the Attitude Era. Yes. People who were calling for Absolutely. the Attitude Era were saying, well, this is such a disgusting thing. Well, listen, it's the price you pay for the life you choose. The wrestling business isn't all that glorious. Trust me, I'm, I know I work I'm in sure it. I'm sure that the Flair family okayed this beforehand. I can't imagine they just went ahead and, you know well, what? This well, is what we're going to do. Like, they have to at least told Charlotte who told her family what was going to happen. Well, okay. you know, Rick Rick Flair has gone on his podcast on Woo Nation and said that uh, he was not aware of it, and the, her mother said this as well. Mo, what, what do you say? That's right. Yeah, that's my understanding too, that uh, it was actually Charlotte's idea, and there were writers who weren't too keen on the idea, and she insisted on it, um, you know, put up a big fight prior to Raw to say, look, I really want to do this. It means a lot to me, and they went ahead and did it, and... Um, Clearly, there was a lot of flack. I mean, I was one of the people that actually was very critical of the company um, for for running this. Uh, I mean, I, I think you can do cutting edge. You can do attitude-esque booking without going down this route. And from memory, um, a lot – well, I haven't done this type of stuff too often, but the times they have was actually the post-attitude era. So it was a time around – Eddie Guerrero's death just after he died when they did that angle between Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio and they've done it once or twice since then. Um, so it's typically been outside of that attitude era. Um, I know there were other people that were fine with it, um, but I just thought it was completely unnecessary for an angle like this. It's not um, a match that was going to sell much, if any, in the way of tickets or orders for the network. So there was just little point in there was far more harm than good that came out of it. Um, you know, it, instead they should have run an angle where Paige ran down Ric Flair. God knows there's plenty of material where that's concerned. God, you could spend a whole three-hour Raw 
um, you know, deconstructing all the flaws of Ric Flair. I mean, as much of a legend as he is, uh, you know, there's ample material to kind of criticise him in with. Questionable but, um, char- character, shall we say. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it was it was disappointing, I've got to say. I mean, I've, I've supported Paige since before she even came to NXT. Um, I really wanted her to do well. Um, but I have to say that this year she has been in the ring completely underwhelming and um, they had a very laboured match. It wasn't exciting in the slightest. I'm surprised you're putting the blame on Paige. I'd put the blame squarely on Charlotte and I think Charlotte is incredibly overrated in the ring. I'll go on record as saying I think she's terrible. I think she's (laughs) terrible on the mic as well. For For me... She has held back this divas. Well, well, let me let me let me say something, gentlemen, which may not be popular on this podcast, but uh, the divas division has gone down considerably since Nikki Bella dropped the title. Absolutely. I mean, and and that's and that's just the bottom line. I mean, there's not as many eyeballs on it, and that's one of the reasons why I supported this. That's because you can deconstruct Ric Flair all you want. Everyone's deconstructed Ric Flair. Everyone's done parodies of Ric Flair. Everyone's made an ass out of him over the years, and he certainly made an ass out of himself enough. But this was a situation where Charlotte and Paige were going the way of Ronda Rousey's last fight before she got knocked out, where her opponent's talking about her father committing suicide and the issues that he had. I mean, this is taken straight out of the page of a UFC fight card. They had an opportunity. They had a big opportunity to cash in on this and make it really personal, and make it something that you care about. I actually was looking forward to watching this match just because of that. And then we get to this match, and what does WWE do? Because of the backlash, if you want to call it that, if you will, um, on social media regarding this, they decide to pull the plug on the whole thing entirely. In the package before the match, they don't even mention what Paige said, they don't show it in the package at all. And during the whole match, Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler alluding to the fact that Paige, well, Paige made it really personal. Well, how? How'd she make mm, it personal? I do agree. You know, and I, I just yeah. don't like that. If you're going to commit to something, fully commit to it. Don't do this. Don't do this and then pull the rug out from under it completely. It handicaps well the pull, match. They might as well have pulled the match off the card. Exactly. Exactly. The, and the, the match sucks. It's a botch fest as well. Like, Charlotte literally botched every spot in that contest. And see, like, my thought for that match was let Paige control the match and have Charlotte win, win it with whatever way she wants at the end. And they didn't do that. They tried to show Charlotte as the strong one, and the match was terrible. Then last night on Raw, they did what they should have done. They had Paige absolutely kick seven bells out of her, and Charlotte wins it. And it was a really good match. Yeah, and another reason why is because it wasn't 14 and a half minutes, which is what the match was at Survivor Series. So you mean to tell me that Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose in the semifinals of the WWE title tournament go 11 minutes, but Paige and Charlotte get almost 15? Mm. Yeah. Who in the hell is putting these times together? I've got to disagree. I've got to disagree. I thought the Raw match was perhaps even worse. Um, It was also... If you go and check, um, 14 minutes, if not longer. Um, and But they took a commercial was, break in the middle, Mo, so well, it, didn't did. see, it didn't seem as long. That's the thing. Yeah, but even like, the stuff outside of the commercial break, both before and after, um, wasn't exciting again. It was back and forth, um, largely page in control. Um, you know, technically, she's she's competent, but... It didn't go anywhere, and then it finished, I think, in a double count-out 
and um, it was quite a flat finish and it, it just didn't work. And I think these two girls, for whatever reason, don't seem to mesh all that well. I think Charlotte, I, I mean, I obviously do rate her um, more than you do, Dave, but uh, I think she is somebody who works better with her friends. Uh, so the likes of Sasha. The likes That's because they carry her, though, Mo. Like you Sasha think? Banks. I think Sasha Banks, I think he could hand her a wheelie bin and I think she'd pull a good match out of it. I, I, th- I think you could put... Like, every match I've seen Charlotte have, every big match, I've been disappointed. Like, when she fought Nikki Bella, Bella impressed me far more than Charlotte did. I just don't think she's good. I think she's gotten where she is based on her name. I disagree, respectfully. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, let's talk about very quickly the WWE title tournament before we move on to Monday Night Raw, the Raw ratings, if you will. Um, so this tournament comes down to Roman Reigns and Alberto Del Rio, Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose with the victory over Kevin Owens. Roman Reigns with the victory over Alberto Del Rio. Del Rio needs to drop this Mex-American gimmick, by the way. It's awful. Yes. I mean, just again, 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 again. These people, these writers, these writers are being paid money to come up with this stuff. Large sums of it, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't understand it. I got to tell you, I don't know if you gentlemen are familiar with – well, you know what? We'll get get into love and hip-hop in a minute because (laughs) I've got something on that to compare it to Raw. Um, So we get to the finals of this thing, and uh, we have Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose – Roman goes over clean on Dean with a spear, wins the WWE Championship. If it had ended there, would you guys have been happy with that? Would that have been satisfactory? No. Happier. You would have been happier. Happier. What about you, Mo? No, no, no. I wouldn't have. I mean, again, it was a weird match. It was a match where um, they were working to something, and then the finish almost came out of the blue. The fans almost thought, what the hell was this? Um, they they weren't expecting it, and not. I mean, that's not to say that finishes should always come at the end of a crescendo of near falls and big spots. Sometimes it's good to do something unexpected, but yeah, it, it felt completely flat, um, especially to crown a new WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Um, so I wouldn't have been happy with that. I thought the um, finish with uh, Sheamus winning the title. Um, made it a more interesting finish to the show. Um, so if anything, I was probably a bit happier with Sheamus getting the belt, even though arguably he doesn't, doesn't deserve it. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, to be fair, uh, I would have preferred anything other than Sheamus uh, winning the championship that night. Um, well, well, now, if, if the big show had come out and mocked <laughs> some fools <laughs> and walked out, you wouldn't have been too happy. <laughs> He's the no, most no. dominant giant in history. He is. He is. Speaking of speaking of dominant giants, um, Mark Henry lost to uh, Neville last night on Raw. Uh, again, I, I was literally sitting last night watching this, <laughs> thinking to myself, "How are they still billing him as the world's strongest man?" Yeah, is really the world. Like, give me a break. Do you know what they should have done? You know that guy, Mo. You might know this guy. You're into your like weightlifting and stuff. You know the Polish guy who was like the world's strongest man like six times in a row, Marius? Uh, Marius Pudzianowski or something yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How have they not brought him in to run some sort of program with Mark Henry? Like, I don't care if he can't speak good English. Rusev can barely speak English. Put him in a program with Mark Henry 
and just end the concept that Mark Henry's the world's strongest man when this guy bench presses him above his head and throws him out of the ring. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, they've got somebody within their own company who's done well in strongman contests. Braun Strowman is -hmm. of that background. Um, He's done quite well in that um, uh, kind of sport. So... Yeah, I'm sorry, the whole, the whole thing just telling me that the Big Show isn't insanely strong either. Like, oh god, yeah. He's... Do you know what I mean? The guy's like seven foot tall, and yeah, like but none of these guys are nearly as strong as super heavyweight Neville. I mean, no. and, 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 that, and that's and that's clear. Can we please get weight classes already? And if we're not going to have them, then let's just not have those matches happen at all. Because you talk about insulting like your they intelligence. Tried to give it's Neville ridiculous. the rope, didn't they? Well, they tried oh, to, but they you're just going to be good, kid. Why not yeah. mic that so people can actually hear it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. no kidding. Well, the uh, of lip readers, he just said, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, and the, the kick that put him down, like a glancing blow. Oh, my God. And he sort of wobbles and then, oh, I, I, I'll fall over now. <laughs> oh, my God. Awful. It's embarrassing. Absolutely awful. Well, speaking of embarrassing, let's move on and talk about the night after. Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw. Let's talk about this. The debacle continues, folks. The show set a new Record low for non-holiday audience. Non-holiday audience. What am I saying? This week's show was the lowest rated Monday Night Raw since February of 1997, drawing less than 3 million viewers throughout the show. Mo, I'll start with you. Well, can't say we haven't seen it coming. It's something we've been talking about for weeks and weeks. The ratings being in perpetual decline. And, you know, if if we think that 2.16 is low... Let's give it another six months and let's, let's see where the ratings are then after WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's just... They're in trouble the here. Indi- it's the best indicator of the malaise that the product is in and the indifference that the fan base has towards the product. Why can't and they wake out of this apathy? Why, why can't they break... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From this apathy and say, okay, we realize this. We understand it. We've got to do something to fix it. They won't fix it. Well, because, you know, network numbers, subscription numbers are 1.2 million. That seems to be... The be-all and end-all now, and ratings almost have become irrelevant, which is amazing because TV revenue is probably about 30 35% of their total revenue. 
So for them to just let their ratings be pissed down the toilet in this way, it's just remarkable. Ratings have gone down about 20% in the last six months. 20%. One in every five viewers has stopped watching Raw in just six months. Now, okay, they've got NFL Monday Night Football in competition where they didn't have six months ago, but even when NFL uh, Monday Night Football finishes in a few weeks' time, I, I, I can guarantee you that all of that audience isn't going to be coming back. You know, it's still going to be two four two five at best and that that is really really bad and yeah sure they've got people who record the show and then watch it um in the days after they've got people who watch it on services such as hulu or on the youtube channel in terms of highlights but it's a great indicator of the interest in the company when it comes to people who want to watch the show live and the fact that less and less and less people are interested in watching the show live has to be a concern and i've been waiting and you've been waiting all both of you guys have been waiting to see something happen in terms of the booking a real injection of something a kick up the ass and that has just not been coming and i just don't understand why yeah and and to be fair um mick foley had some uh, some rather condemning comments that he made on facebook a few hours ago i want to read these to you gentlemen um, the title of his Facebook status, if you will, <laughs> is Getting Close, and he says, quote, I'm going to quote an article from July 2014, The Sad Case of Zack Ryder, in which I wrote, Eventually people get tired of finding out that the WWE superstars they have supported with their cheers, their signs, their purchases, their follows, and their likes aren't real superstars. And little by little, those fans lose interest in WWE and find other interests and become former WWE fans. He said, I am one of those people on the verge of becoming a former fan. I'm tired of being told through Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-views that WWE superstars I have rooted for, from Ziggler to Cesaro to Kevin Owens, are not top stars. No matter how strongly the crowd reacts, I'm tired of NXT stars getting their, quote, break, end quote, in WWE just to be treated like jokes. He says, six months ago, my son and I traveled 12 hours from Tennessee to Orlando, Florida, to watch Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch wrestle an NXT takeover, one of the greatest women's matches of all time. Last night, in what I believe was their first singles match on Raw, Sasha and Becky were given four minutes. At a time when WWE desperately needs to make new stars, when they need to give wrestlers with talent an opportunity to break through, they gave Sasha and Becky four minutes. I turned the channel and watched a pretty good football game instead. I think I can get used to watching football games on Monday night again. I will be watching Raw this Monday, maybe is as often the case in any relationship. They will give me just enough to remind me why I love wrestling, just enough to keep me coming back. Maybe they'll even give Sasha and Becky a rematch and a legitimate chance to show the world what they can do. He says, there's an old saying in politics, as Ohio goes, so goes the nation. Think of me as the Ohio of wrestling fans. If I leave, it's just not one disgruntled former fan finding something else to do on Monday nights. Instead, losing a longtime diehard fan like me might be an indication of a larger exodus from WWE. I guess we'll see what the tale of the ratings tell. I want to stay. 
I really do. So please, WWE, just give me a reason. What do you think about that, Dave? I think he's absolutely nailed it. Um, Mo mentioned earlier that the the page um, Charlotte match got 14 minutes. It now obviously it got broken by the by the break, but it was still too long a match. I did think it was a good match, but I do agree completely. Mo it was too long. So they've given that 14 minutes. They've given um, Sasha and Becky four minutes. That's 18 minutes on a three-hour show, less the break. So probably two hours in total, maybe, that they've dedicated to women's wrestling. Why not just give them nine minutes each? Or why not give the more talented duo as a pairing, you know, the longer run, if you know that the other match is going to be a double countout? Like, the whole thing bothered me. Like, literally, I, I don't watch Raw live very often, once every couple of months, maybe. But last night, I was going to sit up and watch it. I was actually quite looking forward to it. And after the opening segment in which Seamus asked the crowd, who looks stupid now? Well, the answer is you, Seamus. You still look stupid, even if you're carrying that thing around, because your your beard's a mess, your hair's terrible, like... You're pasty white. Your character's boring. Nobody likes you anymore, and you're, you're, we all know why you're in the spot you're in. So, like, that was like an insult again to our intelligence. Like, oh, well, look, look who's stupid now. It's all of ye because ye all thought this guy or this guy was going to win, and none of you has really expected me to get it. Well, Mo called it beforehand. I think I said it to you, Matt, last time we were recording this that. You know, since Seamus isn't in the tournament, this is, you know, let's not rule out him coming in to take the belt Spot away. Spot on, yep. And while Mick Foley switched over and watched the Patriots against the Bills, I was that put off that I actually switched over. Um, and, like, I, I was watching, I had, like a, big, like, a large TV and I had the laptop. So initially what I was doing was streaming the Patriots game and watching the Raw on the telly. And what I did was I put, the, uh, the Patriots game on the telly and watched a repeat of Sunderland against Crystal Palace in what I'd already <laughs> been told was a mind-numbingly boring draw. And then I flicked back to Raw but during the breaks in the NFL game because I was just that put off by the opening scene. Like, none of it made any sense to me. I found the whole thing... Again, it went on for too long. Like, do we really need 20 minutes for the opening segment? Dude, I mean, like, really, it's just awful. And, you know, you, you bring that up and I want to give some perspective on this um, because of the ratings in the U.S. So Raw lost to Monday Night Football. There's no doubt about that. It lost to other sports programming on television uh, as well. And you know what else it lost to, gentlemen? It lost to a show here in the U.S. which can be found on VH1 called Love and Hip Hop. An absolute gutter trash reality show about absolutely nothing, and even that yeah. smacked around Monday Night Raw last night. And oh. but 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 Sheamus is best for business. Yeah, yeah, Sheamus is best for business, but Kevin Owens isn't. Somebody who's over, somebody who entertains, somebody who works his ass off and is invariably entertaining against somebody who the fans can care less about. I mean, and, that just sums up WWE, doesn't it? And that's the thing, Mo, like Kevin Owens looks like 90% of the WWE fan base. He looks like your everyday guy. Like mm. he's not, 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 not to say that 90% of WWE fan base like have pop bellies. <laughs> I do, but most don't. Maybe but he looks like He looks like someone you can relate to. 
He looks yeah. like a normal guy. And, like, Seamus doesn't. And, like, it's so blatantly obvious that, like, it's all a character with the hair and the pale skin. And it's just, oh, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah, and I don't I mean, understand why Owens is, isn't didn't like at least get into the final match. Like when it was Ambrose and Reigns, everybody knew Reigns was winning that match. Everybody knew. The only way Ambrose was winning it was if he turned, if Triple H came out and, and Ambrose turned on Reigns. And yeah. it was just so obvious it's, that that wasn't going to happen. It should have happened. It, if they it, were putting them in the fi- final, it should have happened, but it didn't. It's what made the whole thing so frustrating because... Kevin Owens is one of the rare talents on the roster that they've actually tried to protect this year in terms of the way he's been booked. And at Survivor Series, you know, the fact that he was booked against a guy who's been jobbing on numerous occasions this year and losing clean, what's more, um, was really disappointing. And, you know, it it wasn't good for Kevin Owens to lose to Ambrose clean. Um, obviously because Ambrose is a face he can't cheat to win um, but there were ways to book it such that it protected Owens so that that wasn't very good and then the next night as well um, they didn't really do a great deal uh, with him and uh, you know it it just was really really frustrating because you know he's one of the few guys this year that has come onto the roster in the last six months and been a breath of fresh air and you're absolutely right. You know, he's one of these people that fans can relate to. He looks like a normal guy. And, um, you know, a lot of WWE fans look like him or can relate to him in, in different ways. And, you know, when Bailey eventually gets her call up to the main roster, I predict she'll be the most over the female talents because, um, you know, she looks like a regular um, kind of normal looking woman because you know she hasn't got the fake extensions and you know the uh, implants and all the rest of it you know she just is all natural and I think you know she'll be very popular when she eventually debuts too and isn't that uh, why Daniel Bryan got so over as well like because he was the underdog the everyday guy and this is I think what like if we look at the like the top guys like we all know Kevin Owens should be one of the top three or four guys in the company he's that good but they seem to be holding him back a little bit now we know he's got the icy belt but we discussed this a few weeks ago and that that belt means nothing at the moment it's a bit like the king of the ring like it means nothing really well and And it's it's, and it's because of the booking i mean at the end of the day exactly it doesn't have almost like they're holding him back because he's kind of they haven't made him he's self-made he came in as well, he was Kevin Steen, obviously in in Ring of Honor, but he had the whole fight Steen fight. He had the persona. He had the following. People had loved watching him work. Same with Neville. He came in. Obviously, he was um, he was Park. Everybody knew him. Brian uh, Daniel Bryan, the same. Like they changed their names. They can't change the character because the character works so well. And then it almost seems like they they hold these guys back a little bit, like. They feed them a little enough rope to keep them happy, but then they just hold it back a little bit as if to say, like, well, we didn't make you guys, but here's Seamus. Now, we made him. He's one of ours. Here's Reigns. Like, he's cut from our cloth. So we're going to shove these guys to the forefront, and you guys, you can just work the mid-card. 
So you can carry the show and get us to the main event. But when it comes to the main event and the big lights are on, it's going to be our guys that are doing it. And it does seem to me like very much a Vince McMahon type thing to do. Like for years where we had Guerrero and Benoit and guys like that, guys who'd made their name elsewhere, stuck in the mid card when it was clear they were the best workers on the on, in the company. And it was only when desperate times called for desperate measures that those guys got propelled to the top. Which is fascinating because you would think that we'd be at a time like that right now when WWE is in the middle of an injury crisis. Mm. And that's basically what, what they have on their hands. I mean, they've got Seth Rollins, who's out of action. They've got John Cena, who's away right now. They have Randy Orton, who's out. Daniel Bryan, who's out. Nikki Bella, who's out. Tyson Kidd, who's out. Lana, we're unsure with her. We know she broke her wrist or something like that a few weeks ago. She's out. I mean, she had something. I mean, I, I know you guys might not be fans of implants, but I am when we were talking about them earlier. So, um, so I mean, and, and I quite liked her when they put her with Ziggler. I thought that was quite cool the way they, like, she still had that really, like, when you'd see her walking, it was still that. That, <laughs> that that Russian kind of walk, go, yes. but in the like, the dead of the looking for. We that. Looking I just for thought it was kind of a, a nice little bit of character progression. I mean, right, you right. mentioned you mentioned like Rollins. He obviously came in. And he was Tyler Black, but he's the one that's been allowed to kind of break that glass ceiling because you know he was in the Shield for so long. So they made him the Seth Rollins of the Shield, and it was continuously oh the architect of the Shield, the architect of the Shield. Now he's one of ours and we'll push him to the moon, and then obviously he gets hurt. And, like, they just don't seem to think about, like, it worked with this guy. Part of the reason Rollins is so over is because so many guys, or so many fans of wrestling, knew who he was the minute he walked on your camera. Same with Brian. People knew who he was. They know who Owens was. Why not just rinse and repeat? It worked with Brian. It worked with Rollins. It'll work with Kevin Owens. Yeah. I, I did say I, I wasn't sure if he was ready to carry the company just because I think right now the company does need to be carried a little bit because, as you mentioned, there's an injury crisis. But Seamus certainly isn't the guy. Like, this guy can't draw mm. money. We, we know this. This is, what, the fourth time he's had the belt? Yeah. Which is I mean, that's, a, that's an excellent point, Dave, because um, you're right. I mean, it really started with CM Punk. He was the first one Punk, who came in with a reputation from the indies, and um, that created that in initial buzz. So if you remember when he debuted in, I think it was the ECW yes. reincarnate, um, straight that- away he got a good reaction because fans yeah, knew who he was. And he was able to elevate John Morrison and The Miz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he was he came in as a very good worker from day one. And I think that's part of the reason why somebody like Roman Reigns isn't as well received by the more hardcore fan base because a lot of the hardcore fan base seem to follow um, or to, at the very least um, respect um, guys who've come through the likes of Ring of Honor and Evolve. And that's why I think it's actually a good thing that WWE has developed this working relationship with... Um, Gabe Sapolsky's Evolve promotion. It's one of the indies in the United States that's got a, a good reputation because if they have got talents that they bring straight into uh, developmental um, without them having um, paid their dues, quote-unquote, um, on the indies for a number of years, then by sending him to Evolve for uh, you know six months or a year, it can still give those talents um, some credibility with the hardcore fan base to say, look, yeah, they went out to the indies and now they've come back 
Um, and I think that's one of the other reasons why Roman Reigns suffers because he, he hadn't gone through that route. He came straight into developmental and he's he's one of their products rather than someone who um, learned the ropes in the Indies. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that 100%. Um, it's fascinating because I was having a conversation with my roommate the other night um, about Kevin Owens and he said, you know, he's not as familiar with uh, – with the current product as we are, he said, well, that's Kevin Owens. That's the guy that came from NXT, right? It's like, well, yeah, he came from NXT, but he's been wrestling for 15 years. I mean, and that's the thing is that when you talk about this, Dave, you know, guys not getting over unless WWE lets them get over. Like if they get over on their own, they're almost punished for it. We've seen that happen time and time and time again. And um, we, we, if you remember during the Attitude Era, those stars that emerged organically, especially when other ones were injured, when other ones went out, Stone Cold Steve Austin, after the Shawn Michaels injury, emerged as a huge star in the company. Today, would Steve Austin be a top star in world wrestling entertainment? I don't know if he would be. Simply, I, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about the Stone Cold we know now. I'm talking about the Stone Cold pre the organic rise of Austin 316 would he the have ringmaster exactly would he have been able <laughs> to emerge from the crop in this current climate i just don't think that's a possibility because organic stars are very rarely born in the current wwe i totally agree and like one of the things like i know he's kind of a figure of fun for a lot of people and he, you know he's a properly polarizing and controversial figure but vince russo like he changed the game for the better and like he was he was to like to, to get credit for so much of what was good in that attitude era but the thing as well like you look even back further look at michaels and look at bret hart and those were guys who kind of didn't fit in what vince's vision of wwe was until he didn't have the guys that were his vision around anymore because they all got done for steroids. And then they all started running off to WCW because the you know it was just easier for them to go over there and work half the dates and you know their big steroid-riddled bodies weren't getting as much abuse. And then Sean and Brett became the two best guys in the company. And then more guys that Vince had preordained left. And all of a sudden, it was Austin who had to, like... And that was such an organic thing as well. Like, that double-turn match with Brett and and Austin at Mania with, with Ken Shamrock as the guest referee... Yeah, that wouldn't be allowed to happen today. That, But that is, for me, that is the single biggest moment in wrestling history. For me. That single-handedly saved the WWE because it had that double-turn... It gave Brett an entirely new lease on life because he had gone so stale. Like, I love Bret Hart. He's my favorite all-time WWE superstar is Bret Hart. But he had gotten stale. He was clearly fed up. He was bored. Everybody was bored of him. We needed somebody new at the top. Austin was this badass, something we hadn't seen before. And all of a sudden, by flipping them and making Hart the, the heel... And giving them this whole, you know, anti-USA thing, but not in the way they'd done it before where they touched on things like the Middle East and stuff. And by just propelling Austin Ford as this badass who, you know, didn't like anybody, good or bad, and wanted to fight Vince McMahon on a daily basis, 
that changed the business more than anything else I can think of. Uh, but you're right. That would never happen now. It wouldn't be allowed to happen now. No, because like, they gave the fans what they wanted, and that's why it worked. Exactly. Like, we never got the proper – like, the, the whole Daniel Bryan – Triple H thing could have gone that way. It had that potential. Now, obviously, Brian is more, much more of a not of a, of a real as like typical baby face that we think of when we think of good and evil. Austin straddled the middle somewhere, could dip into either side, but was just going to be popular. Daniel Bryan was like just this incredible face, the the everyday guy, the everyman, and. They could have run such a great program with him and Triple H, and they just botched it because they have to stay PC. And it just it bugs the life out of me when I watch it now. Like we we said this on Twitter, Matt. PC plus PG equals the steroid era. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> this is. This is the steroid era. That's it. That's mm. it. Hashtag, Hashtag steroid era. Yeah, I'm telling you. Go. Spread like, the word. Literally, if people want to watch professional wrestling now, like for people that want to kind of get into it, maybe they watch the pay-per-views, don't watch the WWE. Go and watch Ring of Honor. Find Ring of Honor to watch. Don't buy the WWE pay-per-views. Buy Ring of Honor DVDs. Go, watch, go on their website. Go watch Reality of Wrestling at realityofwrestling.com. Watch Reality of Wrestling. <laughs> the commentators are sublime. And they don't demean women by calling them divas. They call them diamonds, which is a, actually, I've been meaning to say this to Matt, is one of the best terms for them. Oh, well, thank you. I, it's well, brilliant. I'd like to take credit for it, but it wasn't my idea. Um, <laughs> but you Mr. like Gilmore. That, that program is, is so good. Like, it's so well put together, and it doesn't pretend to be something it's not. It's an indie promotion that's making its way, that's growing bit by bit. It's got really talented wrestlers. It's fun to watch. It's like watching wrestling when we were growing up, getting into it like that, where, where there was, you know, you could imagine that this was just, you know, John who works as a butcher Monday to Friday comes to the ring on a Saturday and he's fighting Pete who picks up bins because this is like what they do. This is a real fight and it has that little bit of mystique about it that the WWE just doesn't have because it's a circus. Well, it's that, and there's really no heart in the product anymore. I mean, Mo and I, we've, we've talked about this as well. I mean, it just seems like there's there's no heart in the product, and there's no room for, for it because everything is so contrived, so scripted, so whitewashed. Um, they, they're afraid to say anything when they do. People lose their minds, so they say things even less, and that's what we have today. Uh, and, and as a product of that, as the result, is the lowest ratings since um, – the beginning of 1997. So the only thing that can save the WWE, I'll save Raw as a product, is getting off the network that they're on. But the only network that they that would accept what they need to be, which is they need to get back to more. Like it doesn't need to be the Attitude Era. It just needs to be a 2015 version, modernized. But the only network that would really, and it's not even a network, it was HBO. They're the only ones that would allow them to take the risks that they were allowed to take 20 years ago. Well, and that's the thing is WWE's, never happen. WWE's not interested in doing that because they have no. a, a very comfortable financial arrangement with with uh, with Universal, uh, with USA Network, uh, with their with the family of, of channels that they have, 
and uh, and they're not going to throw that money away. They're they're going to continue to play it safe and count their money. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, Brad Gilmore actually said this on our other podcast that we do together earlier. He said um, WWE going public was one of the best things that could have ever happened for Vince McMahon's bank account, and one of the worst things that could have ever happened for pro wrestling. And I tend to agree that's right. with that. I mean, and that's you know one of the Damn. things that he might want to think about in terms of buying back those shares. I don't think that'll happen. Um, but you know, that's always an option. One of my other ideas, which is something we can perhaps talk about at length on a future, uh, podcast is okay. They've got one, uh, developmental brand NXT, but for those types of fans such as myself who liked that kind of more cutting edge, more risque type of product, um, of the attitude era, why not create a second uh, separate brand, which can be aired on the WWE network. So they don't have to adhere to um, the PC policies of um, the likes of the USA network or any other network. Um, They can do the product as they wish and um, they can have full creative control and they can book it in a way that is more geared towards that disillusioned uh, fan base that used to watch it but feel that the product is um, aimed at a younger audience that isn't suited to them. What's to stop them from doing that? You know, that that I think would be a fantastic idea for them to explore um, in the next year or two. And, um, you know, that, that could uh, be a, an entity that could become even bigger than NXT. Can I ask, like, do, do Raw and SmackDown still have separate writing teams? Um, I believe they do, but um, I'd be surprised if they've got many writers for SmackDown because it's such a, a basic show. I mean, yeah. it's something that you, you could probably just have one writer writing the whole thing. Yeah. That said, they've probably got about a dozen. Um, but it, when I watch SmackDown, I don't know if it's the same in the USA, um, Matt, but half of it these days in the UK seems to be Raw. Um, yeah, highlights from Raw. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's... two or three, four matches from Raw and interview segments and things like that. Yeah, SmackDown's and... become superstars, really, just an extended mm. version of it. And it's and it's awful because I um I was actually watching the end of the Go Home SmackDown show today leading into that Survivor Series during the Invasion Angle where just about every single person got their ass kicked in the ring. Um, you had you had Austin, you had The Rock, you had Kurt Angle, you had Big Show, you had Shane McMahon in there hitting people, you had The Undertaker, you had Kane. I mean, all hell was breaking loose. It was one of the greatest finishes I've ever seen for a live TV show. And I just think about how amazing SmackDown used to be, of course, when yeah. Paul Heyman was in charge. Um, yes. And now it's just a it's a graveyard. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what you do is you bin SmackDown. You just get rid of it. You just say, right, goodbye, fair play, whatever, it, great legacy, blah, blah, blah. You move NXT into its slot and you keep NXT exactly as it is, but you put it on television. And then you go to Paul Heyman, and this is key, and you take what Mo has just suggested and you say to him, look, this is what you're going to be running. It's going to be on the network. So you don't have to abide by the, you know, aiming at a 12-year-olds, which is what Raw seems to be aimed at. And we're going to just do something for, for the fans because Raw isn't for the fans. NXT is for, I think, I love NXT. And, I, you know, I know I said go watch Ring of Honor, but watch NXT as well. Don't watch Raw, don't watch SmackDown. Watch NXT, though, because it is really good. 
and there's really good wrestlers on there and there's far less of the talking stuff. There's actual, you know, characters getting over by themselves organically. Stuff isn't been forced down your throat. And put that in SmackDown's place and just let Heyman... Give it to Heyman because, like, Heyman is the best thing they have right now because, like... Lesnar's great, but Lesnar only works, what, 10, 12 days a year, whatever it is, something really small. Like, Rollins is gone. No one's into Reigns now because he's just been forced and everybody. Daniel Bryan's gone. They're holding back Owens. They're holding back Neville. Balor's buried in, well, he's not buried, obviously, he's a champion, but he's stuck in NXT and, and so on and so forth. Heyman is their best commodity to do something like this when he's their best creative mind. By far, he's one of the all-time great creative minds. Let him run this show that Mo. Well, let Mo run the show because it's Mo's <laughs> idea. But Mo, your first port to call obviously is to point Paul Heyman as head of creative for the show, and just do something different. Like, give us something to keep us interested. Because, like Mick Foley, what he just said, like Foley saying me, like as. What was it he said? As Pennsylvania goes, so goes the nation. Oh, Ohio. Ohio, sorry. Yeah. As Ohio goes, so goes which is the nation. Our, which is our key swing state here in the swing U.S. Swing state, yeah. yeah. So, like him saying, like, me leaving isn't just one fan leaving. He's right, because Foley's draw is huge. People will listen to him because he's an authority on, on the business. Mm. And when you get him coming out and slamming it, Flair, another popular person, regardless of all the other nonsense about him, like, he's a popular voice. Now, unfortunately, what they've done is they've tied Austin in with these, you know, Stone Cold podcasts they run on the network. So he can't now obliterate them on his own podcast because he's got that business relationship. But Jim Ross has torn them new ones regularly. And Jim Ross gets huge ratings on his podcast. Yeah. Like they need it needs to have more and more of these guys like who are, you know, <coughs> influential figures and powerful voices to come out and say, you know what, this is crap. It's crap. It's sterile crap. Well, I mean, and, we talked yeah. about this on the show uh, several times over the course of the last few months. Mo and I have talked about yeah, how how low does it have to go? Dave, you and I have talked about it. How low does yeah. it have to go? What's the bottom line on this? What's the number before they say, all right, we better start listening to these people? Or is it possible that they don't even realize that, that, that we're talking? We, they don't even realize that the, quote, WWE universe is not happy with what's, what, what's going on. I mean, it just seems like from from everybody over there at WWE who's involved in this who has spoken out publicly about it or has spoken to Dave Meltzer and and other people who are in the know they have basically commented and said hey listen these these people have no idea what they're doing they have no idea what they're doing and maybe that that level of out of touchness if you will uh is coming straight from the top and it's it's a guy that um at one time seemed to get it and was incredibly innovative and created the greatest sports entertainment, professional wrestling brand known to man, and it just seems like it's gone, honestly. It's part of the issue that there aren't enough like veteran dissenting voices left around the place. There's not enough influential characters who, like, say take or 10 years ago when he was working, you know, a full schedule. Like, he wouldn't be putting up with a lot of these storylines. He, he'd he be speaking out about a lot of the crap that's going on, whether he's involved or not. 
And, you know, Michaels would have done the same. Triple H, before he became, you know, best for business and all that nonsense, would have done the same. The Rock would have done the same. Austin would have done the same. Going back and back and back. And now it's almost like it's a group of nodding dogs. Randy Orton is one of their guys. He'll nod along. Cena is one of their guys. He'll nod along. All those guys at the top of the car like, just seem to be nodding dogs. Well, the thing is, I mean, that, that's not a new phenomenon. That's been in the WWE for many years um, where people are brought into creative. And uh, that really is a turnstile uh, position within the company. Uh, it's very rare for uh, people that they bring in as writers to last more than a year. Um, often they'll last a matter of weeks before working 80-hour weeks catches up with them and they say, you know, I just can't take this no matter what the money is, and they hightail it out of there. The people that are there and stay the distance, stay the duration, um, become too wedded with the job and um, are fearful of losing the job and therefore become scared of becoming a dissenting voice. And so the WWE is in a situation where the people in control and in power are in a bubble and nobody wants to burst their bubble because they don't want to lose their job. And it's a vicious circle now. And it has been that way for a good, ooh, 18 years. I mean, since the days when Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara were um, appointed as, as the kind of lead writers on Raw and then Smack, um no, I think SmackDown started just after they left. Um, and, and it's been around since then uh, that, you know, they've had these different people in charge. I mean, you'd have to go back to the days of um, J.J. Dillon being in charge in a creative sense and others um, who were willing to stand up to Vince and say, look, you know, you're completely talking nonsense. You know, those days are long gone. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, the WWE was able to go through those times because they had some very strong talents who put up a fight and said look this is where i want my character to go but that's gone now as well the talents too are scared to um you know make make a noise become a rebel and cm punk was probably the last of those he was the last one who was very very strong about how he wanted his character to evolve and the direction he, he wanted it to go and and you know he talked about it on um, Colt Cabana's podcast last year, which, which got him into a bit brilliant. of trouble, obviously. Um, but he made some very, very, very valid, valid points that, you know, there are talents there now. Uh, and he was even criticizing people like Seth Rollins from memory that, you know, there's a lot of these guys now, they'll just do what the company wants them to. And they might make a little bit of a complaint here and there, but they don't want to make any big major league fuss over anything because, mm. you know, they're too um, in love with the company uh, a lot of these guys grew up as fans of the company and um, the fact that they're even there is is so much of a thrill for them. Um, whereas 20 years ago, you know, the, the roster wasn't comprised of Vince McMahon marks. And so, you know, that, that doesn't help either. Yeah, I mean, it's been building a million force. In, yeah. In two weeks' time, it'll be December 8th. And I'm going to be really interested to what the ratings are for Raw on December 7th. Because that night, they go head-to-head -head with Monday Night Football. And it's the Cowboys against the Redskins. 
Oh. So that is going to be huge ratings. Like next next week is the Ravens at the Browns. Can't imagine many people are going to want to watch that. Both of them suck. So the following week is is the Cowboys and the Reds. You, you know the thing about that is though too is I mean and it's definitely going to hurt them. But I, I'm I'm tired of them using, and they do they they use Monday Night Football as an excuse. Um, and, and I'm sorry, but that's simply not the case because there was a time when they were actually beating Monday Night Football in mm, the ratings. And, yes. I, and I know that was a long time ago, but uh, it was during a compelling time in which everyone was engaged and Raw was can't miss. And at this point, we're not even asking Raw to be can't miss anymore. We're just asking, just like Mick Foley asked, just give me something. Yeah. Give me a reason, really, is, is what but we're like, asking for. Matt, you said three million people or so watched Raw last night live. Yeah, like is less, it less beyond than 3 the realms of possibility that a million of those people could switch over in, in two weeks' time and watch the Cowboys Redskins? I think so. So if they do two million, like I don't, I don't know how the ratings works. I don't know. There's a magic number in here somewhere, gentlemen. Yeah, there's a there's a magic number in here somewhere uh, where USA Network is gonna is gonna it's, ring Vince. And that's that's going to be breaking point. It's not going to be the ratings for WWE because they're still getting their money. Yeah. It's going to be when the network turn around and say, right, this isn't working. Right. We're paying you primetime money and yeah. you're not delivering, delivering primetime ratings. They signed a deal about 18 months ago with the USA Network. And um, I think ratings are down. I mean, it's coming up to about 30% since then, uh, maybe even more than that. And uh, I think when they go below a two, and they're very close to that now, um, USA Network will rightly want to have very serious conversations. Yeah, I mean, because to be to be to be frank, I mean, every single one of us, if we performed like that in our job uh, over a six month period, we would be facing a serious evaluation and possibly losing our jobs. Doing it for a year and a half, come on, give me a break. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, eight, eighteen months ago, if I'm not mistaken, that was about the peak of the yes, yes, yes movement. Yeah, and. They had that's what was carrying the show was Daniel Bryan, which was this. also a big reason why USA Network wanted to jump back all over us because um, Daniel Bryan was a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, this was people were yesing all over the country, all over the world, and 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 yeah. what did they say? What did they say, guys? They did. They said Daniel Bryan's not over the chant. Is over. Yeah. Can you believe the <laughs> arrogance of these people? And and then and then they wonder why the ratings are down thirty percent. We got to move on though, um, so we can come to wrap the show here, guys. I've got a couple are we of. Want to talk about Xavier Woods's hair? <laughs> We're gonna have to save oh, that. God, that was... We're gonna have to save that for next week. It was a beautiful pompadour, though. <laughs> um, somebody said uh, Johnny B. Bad was. Um... It was just <laughs> was, was on the Survivor Series. Oh. So um, he managed to outdo Sheamus in terms of a worse hairdo. That's, no. that's oh, I thought it was beautiful, actually. <laughs> um, got a couple of Twitter questions and comments here. We'll get to you real quick. One from Nathan Stalker at Voice of Nathan on Twitter, a regular listener of the show. He says, "Do you think we are building towards a Triple H versus Roman Reigns feud?" Interestingly enough. You know, um, Seth Rollins is going to be out. Many people rumored it would come down to Rollins and Triple H. Perhaps Triple H and Reigns could be facing each other. What do you guys think about the potential for that? I would like it at the Rumble. But by Mania, I want Reigns to be a heel. Because I cannot face another six months of him as a face. (laughs) 
Mo? I think that they want Triple H um, to wrestle at WrestleMania, and I think they're going to try and stretch it out all the way through till then. Um, so that's four and a half more months of this. <laughs> and, uh, Good God. Goodness, uh, do that, they have that much time? To. I mean, do they have that much time, though? That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Dave. Um, it'd be better to build it up to the Rumble, but I just don't see where Triple H goes. I mean, I'm certainly a one to wrestle at WrestleMania, um, but if he's not going to wrestle Roman Reigns, who is he going to wrestle? I mean, obviously, the plan seemed to be that he was going to eventually wrestle um, Seth Rollins, but clearly that's not going to happen. Seth Rollins won't be back until after WrestleMania. Uh, and I just don't see who else there is who he can wrestle against, um, who the fans will take seriously as a viable opponent. So Reigns might be the only one. And if that's the case, then either they stretch it out to WrestleMania or they have the first match at the Rumble, perhaps a second match at, um, I think it's Payback in February, and then a th- um, the, the, the third part of that trilogy at WrestleMania. Um but yeah, it, it looks like this feud is here to stay uh, for the next several months at least. And uh, yeah, we, we all could see it from a mile away. You know, it, it needs to happen that um, Roman Reigns needs to go heel. But in that kind of scenario, I just don't see how it will work unless he um, turns heel and has an affair with Stephanie. But again, that, that wouldn't be very PG, would it? So that's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, I got another comment here from Sam McGuire, a regular contributor on the Anfield Index, at Sam McGuire 90 He says, and this is about a guy we haven't talked that much about tonight, I'm worried about Dean Ambrose. Think he'll just go back to the mid-card, and if so, that's an absolute waste. Mo, what do you think about that? I agree. Um, he's another, yet another talent that they've completely mishandled. Um, coming out of the breakup of the Shield last year, he had some real momentum, Um arguably the most popular of the three uh, guys coming out of the, that group. Um, but because the company perhaps wasn't in, intending for him to be anything other than a mid-carder, um, they just simply ignored the fan reactions and um, went about with booking him as a mid-carder. And uh, you know, that's what he has been this year. He's lost on numerous occasions and gets a great reaction nonetheless, works his ass off in the ring, um, is is somebody who's really unappreciated by the company. It's a shame, but it, it's part of the course where the WWE is concerned. Yeah, Dave. Um, I think I think he will definitely go back to the mid card now. Like, it, it won't happen. But they, I mean, they could make the mid card the best part of the show because you could take all the guys that they've got in the mid card, which is Ambrose, Owens. Um, Neville, Cesaro when he comes back and I'm, I know I'm missing guys but like guys like that who are actually great in ring Alberto Del Rio when they finally bin off this terrible Max America thing um, you know take all those guys and take the US title and basically have all of those guys competing over it in the mid card because it'll bl- it'll steal the show the first hour will be the crap. It'll be the nonsense talking. It'll be an established tag team thrown in with whatever mishmash of crap they've come up with. Whoever doesn't have a match that night. <laughs> oh, look, there's Big Show and Miz. You're a tag team now. Here you go. You're facing the Usos. And, of course, you're going to win 
because we don't want to get the Usos any real push. We'll give you the push. Then have like the middle hour be the mid card and have all those guys competing. Then have a Divas match. Then have another segment where somebody talks for 15 minutes and then have whatever throwaway main event you're doing and make that middle hour matter. That that would fix Raw for me. I would gladly watch. If, if I knew I was going to get one hour where those guys were going to be the focal point, I'd gladly watch it every week. Well, uh, we got some more Twitter questions, but we don't have time to get to them tonight. Thank you for everybody for tweeting, and make sure uh, you keep doing it. Tweet at PW underscore index, uh, and we'll try and get you in on the show next week. Guys, um, it has been a heck of a show, and we got to ring the bell on it. Any final thoughts regarding Survivor Series Raw, everything else we've talked about, and everything to come? Um, Mo, Dave, what do you got? Well, I've got a big... Big fat mare about this whole thing. <laughs> it's just been so disappointing the last couple of days. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's been atrocious, um, but I just think it could have been so much better the way the whole thing's been handled. So I can only hope that the ratings continue to go down. They'll reach that breaking point, and then the company will be forced into action because it seems that for whatever reason... They just don't seem to care. Uh, I would like to wish everybody in the creative team behind Survivor Series the worst case of diarrhea they've ever had <laughs> um, because that's what they produced was absolute shit. And uh, aside from that, that's pretty much it uh, for me in terms of wrestling. Uh, All in Sports Talk is out Thursday, so make sure you listen to that. Thank you. Oh, cool. And uh, and Mo, uh, what do you got going on? You want to shout out your Twitter? Anything else special? Have you finished Have your you book? Have you written your book, Mo? Mo? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm still drafting it up. It's going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> this book is going to be an 800-page guide on what the book is going to be. <laughs> That's just going to be the introduction. <laughs> It'll be worth the wait, though. Don't worry. Looking forward but to no, it. But no, the only thing I'd like to plug very quickly, um, actually, is um, a company called Insane Championship Wrestling. It's a Scottish independent wrestling promotion. And um, just over a week ago, they ran a venue in, in Glasgow called the SECC and drew a sellout crowd of 4,000 fans. Um, and that's amazing for an independent promotion, irrespective of where they are in the world. And... Um, that was just an incredible accomplishment. It's really become a very uh, popular company in Scotland, and um, they've been doing some very good things there for quite a while now. And they've got um, a Roku channel, and I think they've also got service on demand via the website, and uh, that's available five ninety nine. They just ran their show, as I say, at the SECC called Fear and Loathing 8, uh, with the main event of Grado, who's an absolutely entertaining, fantastic talent, um, against uh, the former Drew McIntyre, now known as Drew Galloway. Um, so if you have the time and the money, um, I'd urge you to check that show out. Awesome. Well, that sounds like um, like a really good recommendation. I'll have to check it out myself. Um, I also want to uh, shout out very quickly my Twitter, at Matt Topolsky. And uh, you can check out uh, some of the things I'm doing day-to-day at OpinionPodcast.com. It's a daily podcast that myself and my co-host on Reality of Wrestling, Brad Gilmore, do together. So make sure you also check out RealityOfWrestling.com. Guys, thank you very much. We had a great discussion tonight and packed a lot in to uh, under 90 minutes. So uh, congratulations 
and thank you. Gags will be fuming that it's 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. <laughs> Until next week, to all my friends in the States, happy Thanksgiving, and to everyone else, we'll see you next week on the Pro Wrestling Index. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.